Thanks for checking out this message from Coastal Community Church. We hope it's helpful and encouraging. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Coastal Community Church in our online campus. My name is Chris Jones. I'm the outreach pastor, and we're glad that you're tuning in this morning, whether you be watching on Facebook or you're watching us on Church Online. We are so glad that you are with us this morning. We hope that you and your families are doing well and that everyone is healthy. And whether you happen to be working or if you decided to shelter in place, just trust that myself and the pastors and our staff are constantly praying for you. We would encourage you to take note of all the online chat features that is on our church website. We want you to engage with one another. Our staff is monitoring that chat. We want to try to stay connected, so be sure to reach out and say hello to one another. Because you see me up here today, that means Pastor Chris is monitoring the chat. So I know that he would like nothing more than for you to take the opportunity to just give him a note of encouragement and say hello to him. I'm positive that he'll appreciate it. So we're going to continue this morning in our series called The Journey. And over the past several weeks, we've explored key moments in the life and ministry of Jesus. And drawing from these critical moments in history, we've been able to glean practical application that helps us to live our lives in a manner that Christ would have us to live it. We've explored the story of Nicodemus. We got to witness Jesus turning water into wine uh, at the wedding of Cana. We explored Jesus as visiting the woman at the well. We also got to see uh, the calling of Matthew, the tax collector, Peter walking on the water. And last week, our pastor led us through Jesus's peace in the midst of a storm. And today we'll explore another pivotal moment in the earthly ministry of Jesus with what the Bible references as the raising of Lazarus. It goes without saying, you've probably read it many, many times, but we know this to be true, that Jesus can cause the blind to see and he can heal a lame person, allowing them to walk, and he can even cause a mute person to speak. And this morning will be no exception in our experiencing Jesus doing only what Jesus can do. And although you've probably heard this story a hundred times, it is one that is filled with truth that is not only applicable uh, to the times of ancient Israel in which Jesus did his earthly ministry, but it's also applicable to those of us who are living as believers over 2,000 years later. But I think it's important, before we even get started this morning, to issue a word of caution. All these stories that we've been talking about over this past several weeks, perhaps you've heard them a lot. You know the ones that we're talking about, the ones that, that you heard when you were small, when you were in children's church, the ones that were taught in VBS. And if you're just a smidge bit of old school like myself, probably heard some of these stories also in Sunday school. And it's easy for us as believers to assume that because we've heard a particular place in God's word, that we somehow mastered it. And because we've mastered it or because we've heard it, we discount it as, as, as if it has no longer any value. And so we assume that we've gleaned whatever truth is there, harvested any application, and so we sit back potentially this morning and assume that there's really nothing in it for me. Some of you might be watching this morning and be saying, well, Chris, I appreciate the fact that you're going to be bringing forth this message, but I've already got the Lazarus t-shirt. This message is simply not for me. But my caution to you is simply this, don't fall for the trap. Grab your family close and lean forward with the expectation that God will reveal something new to you that perhaps you've never heard before. And if you've never heard the story of Jesus and Lazarus, or perhaps you're tuning into our service for the first time online, you're in for what I call a biblical treat. 
So hopefully you've had the opportunity to download the outline. And what I want to do first is kind of walk us through John chapter 11. The idea here is for you and I to build a little context to help us to understand what's going on and with what we're going to be talking about. And once we do that, we're going to dive a little bit deeper and we're going to begin to pull out and harvest those gold nuggets that you and I can then apply for our lives. And then the hope and the prayer is that you and I will not log off today spiritually empty-handed. So hopefully you're following along with the outline or you're using the Version Bible app. Uh, we're going to start in John chapter 11, and we're going to begin in verse 1. I'm also going to be reading from the New Living Translation, and the, and the Word of God says this. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. And so the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. And so although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. And finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. Look at verse 8. It says, but his disciples objected. Rabbi, they said, only a few days ago, the people in Judea were trying to stone you. Are you going there again? In verse 11, it says, then he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him up. The disciples said, Lord, if he is sleeping, he will soon get better. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. And so he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. So as we just read here this morning, Lazarus, who's the brother of Mary and, and Martha, lived in Bethany, and he had gravely fallen ill. But Jesus, meanwhile, was away doing his earthly ministry. And the Bible tells us in the book of John, which we just read, that he waited a full two days before making his way back to Lazarus and his sister Mary and Martha's pleas. And Jesus tells his disciples that they were turning to Bethany to wake Lazarus up from sleeping to which the disciples assume Larry, Lazarus was sick and must be getting better, awakening on his own soon, implying was it even necessary for them to travel back to Judea in the first place? You see, Jesus had been performing a number of miracles, and by confronting the, the, the religious elite, had ruffled a few feathers, if you will, in and around Jerusalem. And to their assumption, Jesus replied to these men, gentlemen, Lazarus is not sleeping, he's already dead. So quite a bit of insight by our Lord, which leads to the first point. You can check it out on your outline, and it says this. No matter what we are going through, Jesus sees everything. Coastal, he sees everything. He is all-knowing. He knew the, the moment that Lazarus would become sick. Jesus knew that Lazarus would ultimately succumb to his illness and he would die. Jesus already knew the reactions of Mary and Martha. And Jesus knew the outcome before that outcome even came to pass. You see, Jesus was absolutely sure in who he was and what he was capable of doing. So let's think about that for a moment for us. Jesus knew about this coronavirus before it even started. And we know that Jesus knows exactly how it all will end. 
You see, Jesus even knew about the toilet paper hoarding before it even began. Jesus knew that the schools were going to close. And even Jesus knew that people were going to get sick. You see, friends, Jesus sees it all. And you might very well be thinking, how can we know this to be true? You might be thinking, Chris, I understand and hear what you're preaching this morning, but how can I know for sure that Jesus sees everything? Well, the truth of the matter is the Bible is full of instances that talk about how Jesus is all-knowing and Jesus is all-seeing. In fact, the Apostle Paul writes about it in the book of Colossians, and I'll just paraphrase a passage from it this morning for you. Paul writes that Christ is the, is the visible image of the invisible God and that Jesus existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. And it goes on to say that Christ existed before anything else and he holds all of creation together. So if the apostle Paul writes that and he assumes that if Jesus is the invisible, is the visible image of God, and if he existed before anything else in creation, and if everything was created through Jesus and for Jesus, and everything rests in the palm of his hand, then certainly one dying man in Bethany wasn't out of the reach of Jesus. So what does that mean for us today, you might be thinking? Well, for us, situations may be bad this morning. We may feel as if there are no answers. We may feel as if this morning we are all alone. You may have logged on this morning with your mind troubled by something. In fact, you might have logged on this morning with a whole list of things that are troubling you. What's important to understand is that whatever you might be facing today, Coastal, whatever that thing might be, you are not alone. And just as he was in his dealings with his disciples, with Mary and Martha and ultimately Lazarus, he sees everything to include the problems and the struggles and the woes that you have this morning. You see, most Sundays we bring those woes in and they're the very woes we take with us when, when Sunday is over. So my question to you this morning is, what's weighing on you? What, are you not fully, what have you not fully given to Jesus in faith? Over what things have you held on to because you have a lack of faith? And speaking of faith, it leads me to my second point, which is this. Even in the face of doubt, God's desires can surpass our lack of faith. You see, Jesus tells his disciples, we're going back to Judea. We've got to go tend to Lazarus. You see, there's trouble in Bethany that requires my attention, Jesus tells them. He already knows that all those these disciples had been with him throughout his earthly ministry, even though they had witnessed all the miracles, even though they confessed with their own lips that Jesus was Lord, listen to their response as we read again in verse 8. But as his disciples objected, Rabbi, they said, only a few days ago the people in Judea were trying to stone you. Are you going there again? You see, the disciples were concerned about another run-in with the religious class. Perhaps you remember who they are, the Sadducee and the Pharisees. You see, the disciples were ready to talk Jesus out of going to Lazarus. They were essentially saying to Jesus, Jesus, let's rethink this for a moment. Do you really want to go back to Judea? What are you going to accomplish there? They demonstrated a lack of faith in who Jesus said he was, and they demonstrated a lack of faith in what Jesus could do. Listen again at verses 14 through 16. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. 
Thomas, nicknamed a twin, said to his fellow disciples, let's go to and die with Jesus. So Jesus lets these disciples know that not only is Lazarus dead, but their, his disciples were also full of doubt. In fact, Thomas responds to Jesus' call to go to Lazarus as a death sentence. He thinks that a return to Judea would mean an end for them all to include Jesus. And here is Jesus responding to the disciples' lack of faith and frustration by stating it's a good thing that Lazarus died while he wasn't there. If Jesus had been by Lazarus' side, perhaps being healed before he died, the disciples may have never overcome their doubt and unbelief. Jesus is saying that by going to Lazarus now, they may reach a point to where they truly believe. So bringing that back to us this morning, let me ask you a question. Do you doubt Jesus? Do we doubt that Jesus can do what he says he can do? Do we doubt Jesus can do again what he's already done? Do we say with our lips, Jesus is Lord, but when it comes to those struggles that we logged on with this morning, we act as if Jesus doesn't exist? Are we ever like the disciples asking the Lord, why are you sending me to Judea? There's nothing but trouble for me in Judea. Are we ever like the disciples and saying, Jesus, this thing that I've been agonizing over is like Lazarus, it's dead. Why, Jesus, do you insist on sending me to or subjecting me to something that is clearly too late to save? Think about it for a moment. All we experience in this life that has troubled us, those things we once hoped for would somehow get better. We've decided are dead and are now too late for us to recover from, too late for us to salvage. Those things we wanted Jesus to make right to us are nothing more but dead hopes and dreams. And to us, they have become like the rotting, deceased flesh on Lazarus's body. Coastal, we and the people around us, like the disciples, may have doubt, and we may lack in faith, and we may have already resolved in our minds that whatever troubles us will, will never get better. But I want you to be assured of this, and if you write nothing else down this morning, if you listen to nothing else that I say this morning, I think it's important that you hear this, and that is simply this. Jesus has the final word. It's not over, Coastal until Jesus says it's over. So friends, we've discussed that Jesus sees everything. And even in the face of doubt, God desires can surpass our lack of faith. But my third point is this. Everything Jesus did in the Bible and is still doing has a purpose. You see, with Jesus, nothing happens for the sake of happening. There is no chaos. There is no confusion. There is no turmoil with our Lord. He knows exactly what he is doing at all times. He knows that he can see the very beginning of time all the way to its very end. He knows that if you're in pain, he sees it. If you're worried, friends, he knows it. If you have troubles, friends, he knows it. But things that make sense to God oftentimes don't make sense to us. We wonder why God would allow things to happen the way they do. We, some, we seem to think that perhaps our way somehow is the better way. Sometimes we think that our way is best, not only in our situations, whatever those situations might be, but also in the lives of the people that are around us. Listen to John chapter 11, verses 17 through 23. It says, when Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. 
And Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem. And many of the people had come to console Mary and Martha in their loss. And when Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. You see, Jesus had been dead in the grave for four days. Jesus knew before getting the message that Lazarus was sick. Jesus knew before departing for Judea that Lazarus was already dead. And Jesus knew how his disciples were going to respond. Jesus knew how Martha was going to react, essentially saying, Jesus, you're a day late and a dollar short. Even she assumed that once you're dead, you're pretty much dead. Perhaps maybe this morning you feel as if you are like the disciples without faith. Maybe you are like Martha. You have faith, but your faith is so limited. And we, like the disciples, might be thinking and questioning whatever we're dealing with and be like, why wait? If Jesus' plan was to restore Lazarus, why would he wait? Why bother taking the risk of traveling to what was clearly a hotspot region for Jesus and a threat to his ministry? Jesus could have easily said at any moment, wherever he was, doing whatever it was he's doing, Lazarus, be healed. You see, Lazarus' death could have easily been prevented, be prevented by Jesus. And for us, we might be thinking Jesus could just end or deal with our problems right here and right now in the moment. Jesus could have spared Mary and Martha's pain of losing Lazarus, but he didn't do so with Lazarus. And oftentimes, he doesn't do it with us. Why? Well, I think it goes without saying, because nothing just happens with Jesus. You see, Jesus sees everything. Jesus can move even where there is a lack of faith. And everything Jesus does has a purpose. Look at verses 25 through 26. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. And everyone who who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Jesus waited. But why? Well, I think it goes without saying that Jesus waited to demonstrate to his disciples that their faith wasn't where it needed to be. To demonstrate to Martha that while she believed in eternal life, that his hand, Jesus' hand, could reach much further than perhaps she initially believed. You see, to Jesus... Four days of temporary but unimaginable grief and pain was worth the lasting and even eternal impact of what his purposes were in the death of Lazarus. Coming back to us this morning, thinking again about what weighs on you this morning. You've dreamed perhaps of starting your own business or you have a business opportunity that's been struggling along and not gaining momentum. You feel like the dream is dying if it's not dead already. Perhaps this morning, you're in a broken relationship. It's hanging on by a thread. Two strangers living in a house when they should be husband and wife. The only thing missing at this point is the marital eulogy. Perhaps there are some who are watching online with this endless search for a job opportunity. Perhaps you don't get any interviews. Or perhaps you get interviews, but you get no calls back. And so you endure months and months and months of unemployment and your hope of finding work just dying with every passing day. For some, perhaps, you're dealing with a prolonged illness, 
You've tried everything, every treatment option out there. You've tried every medication, yet your healing doesn't come. For some, there's a wayward child in full-blown rebellion. You've prayed and you've prayed, yet that rebellion just rages on and on. You've watched your job evaporate because of COVID-19. Your business has dried up. You wonder where the money is going to come from next month to pay your mortgage or to pay your rent. Every day seemingly closer and closer to financial death. You ask Jesus and you pray to Jesus, Lord, please take this virus and make it go away. But every time we watch the news cycle, we see that the infection count just increasingly gets higher and higher and higher by the minute. You see, friends, Jesus delays on purpose. And sometimes he delays because he has a purpose. Which leads me to my final point. The things we assume are dead, Jesus can bring back to life. You see, we've already established the fact that Lazarus is now dead. Mary and Martha are now grieving. If you were to read verse 35, even Jesus is weeping. And the people who had gathered were mourning were saying, this man Jesus, he healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept his friend Lazarus from dying? Coming back to us, perhaps we might be saying, Jesus, you see this coronavirus has put me out of work. You already know that I'm financially strapped. Father, you know I'm struggling to get this business off the ground. Lord, you've heard my prayers over and over again about me trying to just find work. Jesus, I've cried out and I've cried myself to sleep over this dying relationship. Lord, you've seen that dream that has died inside of me. And yet, Lord, I read in your word that you can cause the blind to see. I read in your word and believe that you can cause the lame to walk. Couldn't you just help me with all that's been killing me physically, financially, emotionally, and spiritually? Oh, but friends, listen to Jesus' response beginning in verse 39. It says this, roll the stone aside, Jesus said. And Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believed? And so they rolled the stone aside. And then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hand and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. And Jesus told him, unwrap him and let him go. In spite of how things might seem this morning, your hopes, desires, and dreams may be dead to you already and already in the grave. You may have already written off your prayers this morning for what you've been asking and praying about. You've asked, you've asked God to resolve whatever that thing is. You think, though, that God's will is for him not to resolve it. You might even be thinking this is the end of the line, the end of the road, or perhaps even game over. But I have just one response for you this morning, Coastal. And that response has a name, and his name is Jesus. And Jesus says, roll the stone aside because he sees everything, and he has a plan, even when we have no faith. And Jesus can bring back to life and wake the things up that we've already claimed as being dead. So if you've been waiting, and if you've grown tired of waiting, or even you've given up, I would encourage you this morning to remember Jesus. Remember his words. Roll the stone aside. Remember his words. Lazarus, 
come out. I had the opportunity recently to read a really great book called It's Not Over by a man by the name of Pastor Josh Gagnon. Listen to what he has to say. It's very interesting. He says, God has a great, big, beautiful tomorrow in store for you. He has a plan and purpose for your life. You may think your best days are behind you. You may want to give up chasing your dreams because you prayed for years, pursued for years, and it seems easier to let things die than to live another day without the hope of those dreams coming true. If so, let me remind you of the words Jesus spoke to Lazarus. Remove the grave clothes. Remove the grave clothes, Coastal. You see, Jesus sees it all. He knows it all. And everything he does is part of his plan and purpose. And know this, he loves each and every one of you. He's got us no matter what we might be going through. So my word of encouragement to you is simply this. Hang in there. Keep the faith. Keep believing and trust in Jesus. On your outline, there's a statement. Um, It's not on your outline there. There's a statement I want you to jot down. So just take a moment and write this. It should be up on the screen in just a moment. Jesus, bring life to blank. Write that statement down for a moment. And then I want you to write in that blank whatever it is that you've been agonizing over. Whatever it is that you've assumed, that you've dreamed about, that it's not going to come to pass, those things that you prayed over and over again and have not received the answer. I want you to write that down because in a moment we're going to pray. And we're going to pray for those things. And we're going to ask Jesus to breathe life into those things in the same way he breathed life into Lazarus. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Father, thank you, Lord, for the opportunity for us to be together, Lord, today through this online technology. Thank you, Father, Lord, for every person that is um, logged in online and is joining us with their families, Lord, today. We thank you, Father, Lord, for your word and the opportunity, Lord, to be reminded, Lord, that you see everything. You've got everything in the palm of your hand. Everything has a purpose. And, Lord, even though the things that we experience in this life, Father, that we have counted out as lost, those things that, Lord, that we have claimed as being dead, that you, Father, in your power, in your grace, in your goodness can bring back to life. And so, Father, I pray for all those things that were just written down just a moment ago. Father, I just humbly pray, and we pray together as a church in faith, that, Father, in the way that you breathe life back into Lazarus, Lord, you would breathe life into all those hopes and dreams, all those things that have weighed us down, all those things that have troubled us, Lord. We pray in faith that you would bring about, Lord, those things that we have written about. And, Father, Lord, today I know that many are watching, And Lord, I know that your word simply says that you would desire that none should perish, but that all would come to repentance. And so, Lord, it is our prayer that if there would be anyone who is watching online for the first time or someone who's watched several times, Lord, who does not know you, I pray, Father, Lord, that this would be the day. Lord, I pray this would be the day that, Lord, that they would give their lives to you. And so if you happen to be listening to this prayer this morning as we lift it up to the Lord, you have drifted away from the Father, or if you have never had a relationship with him, I pray that you would pray a prayer like this. Lord, forgive me. I am a sinner. Lord, I have tried to do things on my own, but I have failed. I have tried to do things under my own power, 
and I just find myself just getting bogged down over and over again. But Father, Lord, I pray that you would receive me and forgive me of my sins. Lord, I believe, Father, Lord, that you came to this earth and that you lived a sinless life. I pray, Father, Lord, uh, that uh, I acknowledge that, Lord, you went to the cross and died for my sins, and on the third day, you rose again. And Father, Lord, today I receive you as my Lord and Savior. And so, Father, Lord, those who might have prayed that prayer, we ask that, Lord, that your spirit would be with them, that you would begin the process of changing them and renewing them. And Father, I just pray that, Father, as we conclude this time together, I just ask that, Lord, you would just bless our families, bless our church, bless our pastor, Lord. And Father, I pray, as we all have been praying, that this virus, Lord, that you would bring about its end. And that, Lord, the day would come when we would all be back together in your house, praising and worshiping your name. For it's in your name we pray these things. Amen. Thanks for listening. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, have a blessed day.